What's up, New Hope Church? Welcome to installment one of Dangerous Church. This is how we change the world. I've been talking about that passage in Matthew 16 where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Hey, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, on this rock, on this declaration, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus was saying to us, he's going to build a dangerous church that's even going to bring victory over the gates of hell. So what does this church look like? What is it made of? If you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, you're going to see exactly where we're going in this series. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says this, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said to them this, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but listen church, you will receive Power. Everybody say power. Now there is some power. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come on, church. It is time to shift into the next gear. It is time to take this movement into chapter 3. It is time to tap into the power of God and change the world. Buckle your seatbelts and welcome to Dangerous Church. Thank you. Thank you. Please be seated. Please. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. Thank you. Hey, welcome. I'm glad you are here today. I, I didn't know who would show up. And uh, I've just been saying all day, I hope preaching is like riding a bicycle, right? You just, you never forget, I hope. Um, hey, glad, glad, glad. So, so glad you are here. Welcome. It's good to be back. I have, uh, I have really missed you this summer. And um, just thankful for you and just want you to know, because a lot of you have been asking, uh, the sabbatical was really, really good. And um, I was blessed. We uh, created some incredible family memories. To be honest with you, I don't think it could have come at a better time with uh, uh, our three big kids going to college. We moved them all three in. Of course, Anna Grace is a sophomore, but we moved the other uh, boys in, Benjamin and Wesley. So we had all those memories. Amy Lynn and I had some memories together. It's just been an incredible, incredible sabbatical. And on top of that, Hurricane uh, Irma has closed universities on the southeast coast. And so my boys are back home for the weekend this weekend. How cool is that? Just so good. So proud of these guys. They're over here and just uh, proud of the, the, the men of God that they are. And um, so many of you, by the way, when I would run into you this summer, you would ask me, hey, how you doing? And after we talk about things, uh, inevitably you would ask this question, hey, are you worried about the church? 
To which I would want to say to you today, and I would say it to you when I met you out in the community, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it just causes me to remind you, and here's why I didn't worry about the church this summer. Our God still holds the world and the church in the palm of his hands, right? It's God's church. I've always told you that. And so I just want to thank you. I really want to thank you as a community of faith for being a church that totally understands that this church is about so much more than one man. And uh, I just want to thank you for understanding the, the glorious scope of the gospel. Second group of people I want to thank, and here's another reason why the church did great this summer. I want to thank the pastors and the staff of this church. Unbelievable. There, there, there's, there's no second team. There's no second string. There's no B team. The pastors and the staff of this church are second to none. And I'm not talking about just worship. I'm talking about front of house, back of house, children's ministry, student ministries, missions, worship, all of our campuses, admin, I mean, you, you name it. Our staff have done an incredible job this summer with excellence and passion and vision alignment and unity. Can you just honor them one more time and thank them? Yeah. And then thirdly and finally, and we're going to get into the word of the Lord today, I want to thank uh, the personnel team once again for granting me a sabbatical. It was just what the great physician uh, needed to do in my life and in my heart, and I'm just so humbled to be back and so grateful to know you, to love you, to serve you, and uh, honored that you would let me serve as your pastor. Hey, um, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, I think the, the new phone app has already been mentioned today, but I just want to tell you, it is awesome. Download that bad boy right now. We probably got the bandwidth to handle all of you. Just go to the app store, and you can put in my name or the church's name. This thing is great. Teaching notes will be there for you, and you can go there during the week, any point in time, and you can experience past messages from me and other communicators. So that app is incredible. So everybody say Dangerous Church. Dangerous. Everybody say it like you mean it. Dangerous Church. Dangerous. There you are. Dangerous Church. So I want to be honest with you for a moment. The Lord has led me uh, to do a series called Dangerous Church. But I started second-guessing the Lord in that process. And you know that the moment you start second-guessing God, you're in trouble. Um, but here's where I started second-guessing. Um, I am fully aware of the fact that many of you are sitting here today and at all of our campuses, many of you are sitting here today and you are already feeling like you have enough danger in your life. <laughs> Come on, right? <laughs> I mean, you live in the same world that I live in and we are keenly aware of the, the tension these days that continues to escalate amongst North Korea and the United States of America. On top of that, we continue to see racial tensions and divides in this country. On top of that, uh, natural disasters are like everywhere today. You got Harvey that just kicked into Texas. You got Irma that's coming up Florida right now as we speak. We'll be praying for that later. You've got all these things going on. You've got, you've got political junk going on. I mean, it, these are anxious days. And as I've been reading and studying this summer, one of the things I've realized more and more is that a, a, a large percentage, they say the majority of Americans are wrapped up in stress and anxiety 
And many of them are living fearful. And so as I thought about God leading me to do a series called Dangerous Church, I was like, Lord, they, they have enough danger in their life. And he said, no, you go and remind them. You go and remind them that I've called them to exist in such a time as this. You go and remind them that I am fully aware of how jacked up the world is right now, but that I have placed you as a church to live in the midst of a dangerous world and to be a dangerous church, not in the sense that everything else is dangerous, but in the sense that the people of God can live bold, prophetic, steadfast lives in the midst and in the face of evil and darkness. I have called you. Come on, for such a time as this. I, I think you know this, that the events of this world doesn't surprise God. You know that, don't you? And God has put you here and put me here, and more particularly, he's putting you hope here to live for such a time as this. And so we're gonna go to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see the first church being birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, do y'all like that video? You can't plan stuff like that. Did you see that car come by when I mentioned the word power? <laughs> so, so to frame the whole series, I've gone, to, uh, I've gone to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's down there in Charlotte. It's the NASCAR track. Uh, how many of you are NASCAR fans? Most of you don't want to admit it, but come on, we're in church. We love you. How many of you would say, I'm a NASCAR fan. I watch NASCAR. Come on, come on, rednecks, come on. <laughs> oh, I just saw some hands drop. Don't do that. Be proud of it. Um, by the way, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge uh, NASCAR fan, but I do, I do enjoy it a little bit. And um, I, I, go, I go to some races live. I haven't gone in a few years, but I, I go. And if you've never been to one, just for the sheer fact that it's the largest gathering of rednecks in America, you need to go. It, 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 it's quite an experience. And uh, we've been to a few of them, but they have this thing called the, the driving experience, the NASCAR experience. And so I've gone to Charlotte and each week, we're gonna show you a video of me at the track reading scripture. And they're even gonna get you some footage of me going around the track. Um, I, did, I did 153.5 miles an hour. I love fast cars, glory to God. Anybody else love fast cars? Come see, more people are proud of that. So um, what they do is they put you on the track and they put a pace car in front of you. This is, I've done this thing a couple of times. They put a pace car in front of you. And the reason I did it this time, one of you graciously gave me this as a gift, the NASCAR experience. And they put a pace car in front of you and they tell you, whatever you do, don't pass the pace car. <laughs> I passed the pace car in the, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I passed the pace car. I did, I flew right by him. The, I was, the next lap, they, they came, they ran out on the track. I'm not, I'm not making this up, they ran out on the track. They had a black flag, they blackballed me. If you know NASCAR, they came out on the track and they started waving the black flag and they started pointing in the pit stop and I was like, see ya. <laughs> I, did, I did another lap, but um, I did, I did. I think we ought to pray for my forgiveness right now. But, but it was awesome, and, and so each week we're gonna, we're gonna take you to NASCAR, and we're gonna show you a different part of my wild adventure this summer, and we're gonna read scripture. But it comes from the book of Acts. Everybody open up your Bibles to Acts chapter one or that app that you have. Go ahead and check in via Facebook, and let's go get this today. What I'm gonna do today is uh, I'm just gonna talk to you 
about some key characteristics that we will embrace and embody if we are ever going to be a dangerous church existing in a world like ours in the spirit of Acts, living boldly, living dangerously in the right way and standing up against the powers and the principalities that are at work in this world today. Acts 1, verse 8. Won't you read it out loud with me today? Ready, church, go. And you will be my witnesses in and all and and to the ends of the earth. One of the things that amazes me as I read the book of Acts this summer is the way in which even though back then, you know, the world used to seem like a pretty big place, right? Big world. But now with travel habits and tendencies and the power of the World Wide Web, the truth is most of us feel like the world is getting smaller. But even back then, Luke by the power of the Holy Spirit, is teaching the church and the people of God that this world is really not that large and the power of the gospel spreads out all over the world from Jerusalem. And if you know your geography, you know this, and I'll go and tell you, you got Jerusalem, where they were. Then you got Judea, the larger countryside. Then you got Samaria across the Jordan River. And then you got to the ends of the world. It's the Bible's way of saying, write this down in your teaching notes, dangerous church has no geographical limits. Dangerous church has no geographical limits. The gospel thrusts the people of God out of the church, out of the four walls of the building to be the church in the world. The church needs to get to a point where we stop saying to the world, come and see, but instead we go out into the world and we go and we be the body of Christ. Amen. Hurricane Harvey hit Texas, as you know. I already mentioned that. Oh, side note, side note. We need to stop naming hurricanes with such gentle and docile names. <laughs> if we want people to evacuate, we need to change the way we name hurricanes. What is up with Harvey and Irma? They need to put me in charge of naming hurricanes. You want people to evacuate? Call that bad boy Megatron 5000. <laughs> right? Hurricane Death 3.0. That'll get people to evacuate, man. Um, where was I? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the hurricane hit Harvey, and, and, and I don't know how you... Uh, viewed all that, but I'm going to be talking about that actually at the end of the message a little bit too. Um, but I got a friend of mine who pastors a church in Houston. His name is Tim Liston, dear friend of mine. And he pastors a church, interestingly enough, called New Hope. It's not related to us, but it's New Hope. Every single day now, thousands of people from Tim's church leave the church and they go out and they rescue and they serve people in need. And they wear red shirts with white letters and the message on the back is this, the church has left the building. I like that. I like that church. I like that. You should be proud to know that 250 people from this new hope, not that new hope, 250 people as of now have signed up to leave this week and going on a long road trip to Houston to do the very same thing. Come on now. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. October, we have a trip to Haiti, and it's full. I'm sorry you can't go there. It's already full, but we're sending a group to Haiti in October. In December, from the 26th of December to January 2nd, our student ministry, our students are going on a missions trip to Haiti. Fifteen have already signed up. FYI, there's 14 more spots available. And some of you are thinking, dang. Christmas, stress, give them some toys, send them to Haiti. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> 14 more spots. It's a beautiful thing. I like, I like that. The multi-site model that we have here. If you're a guest here, you need to know this. We're one church, many locations. And so we have churches throughout the Carolinas, and I didn't mention them earlier. I wanted to save it to this moment. I want you to welcome at the end, save it to the end. We want to welcome the Garner community down in the Water Tower town, the Sanford folks in the Sand Hills, North Raleigh, Hillsboro, Coffee House, Columbia, Kenya, I Campus, all of these campuses, and yes, you at Durham. Would you just welcome all of them? The entire multi-site model that we do, like right now, I know I say that all of you aren't really sure what that means. That means right now, all of those campuses and into Kenya, Karibo, welcome Kenya folks. They are sitting there right now and they're watching the very same message that you're watching. With the power of technology, more so than ever, there are no geographical limits to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ which is why I'm so excited today to invite this fine-looking group of people over here up to the front because today we are commissioning, we are sending out. Yeah, you guys come right on. And, and there was another group in the first worship celebration, the same exact size. So this is two different groups. They're all one group, if you will. They are going to launch our newest campus in North Durham. Give it up for them, church! Some of you can go on down there a little bit. You can slide on down. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. This is Pastor Jeremy. Everybody say, hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. This is his lovely wife, Sabrina. Say, hey, Sabrina. They, um, they have a herd of children. They are following the Benji and Amy Kelly plan. They have four kids. Let me show you their beautiful family. Unbelievable. They, they have Graydon, Cash, Noel, and Declan. Declan is their youngest. And just this past week, this is a glorious day, y'all. Just this past week, Declan, their youngest, went pee-pee on the potty. Now... Now, now, those of you who have children, you know how big that is. I remember when our fifth, Josh, went pee. We, we used to do the pee-pee on the potty dance. We'd get the kids dancing. So this is a glorious day. Um, they say they're done. They're done having kids. Um, we'll see about that. <laughs> they, they're growing that North, North Durham campus the right way. Um, but this is, isn't this an amazing-looking group of people that we get to send out? Yeah. And again, a group this size was in the first celebration, and we commissioned them, and now we're going to commission this group. And um, 
I'd like for you to uh, join me in this. We're all a part of this. I'm going to read the part that says pastor, and I would like for you to read the part that says people of God. And let's just commission, which is a fancy word. I know it's a churchy word. It means nothing more than to set apart. We're setting these people apart for the work of God in North Durham. So let's, let's do this together with um, all that we have within us. Today, we give thankful witness and praise to the work of the Holy Spirit. In the lives of these who are gathered around and feel called to start our next New Hope campus in North Durham. Now you go. Amen. You sound great. By that same power, I commission and set apart Pastor Jeremy and Sabrina White and all those who are going with them to plant and serve North Durham with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. I want to pray over them, and this is a sacred moment. And I want to ask you, if you feel comfortable with this, I want to ask all of you from the balcony to down here to all of our campuses, just extend a hand over these folks. Just extend a hand. It's a biblical uh, sign, it's reality. You see this in Bible, people lifting up their hands. Extend a hand to them and let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for these missionaries who've decided to go forth and penetrate North Durham with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father God, you continue to amaze us with your goodness in our lives. Thank you for including us in the marvelous story of New Hope Church. You have opened the eyes that were blind to the harvest around us. Thank you, Lord God, that you have opened our ears to the cry of the sick and the poor and the imprisoned. You have opened our minds to realize the deep giftedness of all people. You have opened our hearts that were hardened to your compassion for all people. And now, Father God, we open our hands we are now ready to serve you in a new way. Laborers lined up to go into your harvest fields. The fields that you said, Lord Jesus, are white unto harvest. Bless them, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us all to pray together at all of our campuses, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Praise his name, church. <laughs> Celebrate these folks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. As they're making their way back to their seats, let me just uh, say a few final comments about this moment. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, I'd like to be a part of that. Or you're thinking, I live, I live near North Durham. They are going to be launching this campus in Carrington Middle School. 
You might not realize this, but 15 years ago, we started this church in a high school. So in, in a way, we're kind of going back to our roots with this particular campus. If you would like to go and launch this campus with this team, mark on your Connect card, just write North Durham Campus. Just write North Durham Campus. Secondly, and this is just as important, if you're here or you're at any of our campuses and you're like, I'm good, I'm good at this campus, I'm good, I'm gonna pray for them, I'm gonna support them, but I'm good. We have an ask, though. We have an ask. Would you consider going to this campus three times over the course of the next six months? Three times. Three times. If you would just go three Sundays, you're like, on that Sunday, I'm going to not go to the Durham campus. I'm going to go to the North Durham campus. We could use you to help launch this campus three times over the course of the next six months. In that case, just put it on your Connect card. You got the Connect card. We're going to gather those later. Just put willing to serve in North Durham. And then lastly, I just want to thank you again because of you, because of your generosity. We're able to keep launching campuses. So many of you give to spaces and places. There's an envelope in your chair and it's online. And because you give, we're able to launch these campuses in different geographical areas with no geographical limits. And the movement of God continues to spread. And I can't help but celebrate this reality I just found out this week. The Hillsboro campus, you remember that? We launched that campus only 18 months ago. This week, actually last month, but we just heard about it this week, they have moved out of the financial red and into the financial black. And now they're going to start giving into launching more campuses. Way to go, Hillsboro. No geographical limits. Amen? Acts 1.14. Second thing I'd want to say to you today about Dangerous Church, God's words crystal clear out loud. You read the last one so well. Let's read it together. Ready, church, go. They all joined together constantly in, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We'll come back to that women element in a moment, but make no mistake about it. Let me just say this in passing. The Bible is being crystal clear in the early part of the New Testament, in the birth of Jesus' church 2,000 years ago, that this gospel lifts up all people, male, female, white, black, brown, student, child, adult. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to get to that at the end of the message but here's the next thing I would say to you today. Write this down. This is so key. Dangerous church is constantly grounded in prayer. Dangerous church is constantly grounded in what church? Prayer. In prayer. God has spoken to my heart very clearly over the summer that if we're ever going to go and get what God has in store for this church, we need to increase our prayer intensity. We need to increase our prayer volume. We need to increase our brokenness and contriteness and humbleness before Almighty God and beg Him to keep pouring out His blessings on this church. Can I get an amen? Isn't it interesting, and I don't know if you've ever realized this before, isn't it interesting that the one place where we see Jesus in the New Testament, who, when he just kind of gets hacked off, I'll say it. Others of you who are far more spiritual than me, you'd say, no, pastor, he's not hacked off. He was full of righteous anger. Okay. Okay, regardless. 
But the one time when you see Jesus's, if you will, blood pressure kind of elevate to the point, and some of you like, you, you're, not, you're not sure about this image of Jesus, to the point where Jesus walks into the temple. Do you remember this? And he turns over the tables. He runs out the money changers with a whip. I mean, some of you are like, whoa, that doesn't match your Sunday school picture of Jesus that you had on your Sunday school class. <laughs> you remember that guy? L.A. Jesus, suntan Jesus? <laughs> Jesus didn't look like that, church. And Jesus walked into the temple that day, and they had taken his father's house that was supposed to be a place of prayer. And they had turned it into a den of robbers. In fact, let's read it out loud. Let's throw it up there. I think we got this verse for you. Ready? Go. My house will be called a house of But you are making it a den of robbers. And Jesus walks in, hacked off, or full of righteous anger again, whatever, whichever one you're more comfortable with, turns over the tables, runs them out. And biblical scholars have told us, and to me this is very clear when you read the Gospels, this was the one catalytic event that that pushed the religious leaders and the Pharisees over the edge, and this was the one catalytic event that led to his crucifixion. He was that passionate about prayer. And I believe God is calling us back to the same. Can I share a quick little story with you? I've been so eager to share this story with you. Um, I want to tell you about... Uh, a person, a couple named Kevin and Lori, and they're, they're right here with us today. Kevin and Lori live in this area. They are a godly couple. They love the Lord Jesus, and they were just going about life as usual until all of a sudden, quite some time ago, and I'll give you the date later, quite some time ago, Lori was diagnosed with cancer. She went to the doctor. She wasn't feeling very well, and very quickly they discovered a 10 pound mass of cancer that was covering her colon had spread throughout the lymph node system to her ovaries and it had grown to a 10 pound mass. The doctors immediately told her, you better get your affairs in order. Contact your family. You have about four to six weeks. Within four days, they were doing surgery on her. It took two physicians to lift this 10-pound mass out of her abdomen area. It had moved to stage four. It had metastasized from one organ to another. She quickly went a full hysterectomy. But again, they said, you have four to six weeks. Get your affairs in order. Say goodbye to your family. Kevin, who was sitting right here in front of me, confessed to me that he said, Pastor, I'd be riding down the road and anger would take over me. Now, you want to talk about some righteous anger. I think that's some righteous anger. And he said, I would grip the steering wheel and I would just start yelling at Satan saying, Satan, you will not destroy my family. Get thee behind me. You will not have my wife. 
I rebuke you. He, he said that exact words. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, cancer, in the name of Jesus Christ. He said they said they still wanted to give us chemo, so we didn't know what to do. We prayed it through, and we decided we were still going to go through the chemo. So they rolled her in, and at Duke, when they were giving her chemo, she was undergoing a chemo, and you doctors in the medical field, you'll know about this way better than I do. It was oxyplatin. And they would gather around Lori, and as Lori would be getting this chemo treatment, Kevin and Lori would start declaring in the hospital. You're talking about acts kind of stuff. You're talking about bold faith. They would start declaring in the hospital, check this out, oxyplatin, go in to Lori's body. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we command you to destroy every cancer cell. And likewise, we command you to not harm any good living cell. We forbid you from touching any living cells. They said, they said the doctors, and now some of you are going, man, that's, ooh, that's kind of weird. No, that's, that's Acts kind of stuff. They said, they, said that, they said that the nurses at Duke respected that moment. They said some nurses would actually come and gather around them. Can you see it? Doctors and nurses and Kevin and Lori commanding oxyplatin to go into the body, kill cancer, allow the good cells to live. And I want to let you know that all of that took place in February 2014. And here they are. And here Lori is still alive. Come on, church. Come on, church. He is just that powerful. Praise God for you guys. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, I know you too well. Some of you are sitting here going, yeah, but like I know stories where it didn't happen that good. I know. Just because God did that for Kevin and Lori doesn't mean God's going to do that in every situation. But make no mistake about it. Whenever God does whatever God wants to do, none of it negates the fact that God is still in the midst of us in the, in the storms of life. He is still able. And our church, I'm praying, will become a church that, that prays with more fervency, a church that has greater intensity in our prayer life. Because if we're ever going to go into chapter 3 and get all that God has in store for us, it's going to involve us praying more diligently. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Throw that verse up there. I want y'all to read it with me out loud. I want you to grab your phones because I'm going to give you an assignment. Ready? Go. They all join together constantly in prayer. Now like you mean it, they all join together constantly in prayer. Here's what I want you to do. Take out your phones, please. And I want you to set an alarm for 114. Acts 114. Acts 114. Set an alarm for 114. And at 114, I want you to pray for our church. I want you to pray for your pastor. God knows I need it. 
I want you to pray for your brothers and sisters around you. I want you to pray for yourselves. Pray for your families. Pray for you. I want you to pray at 114 every day. Some of you are going, Pastor, is that PM or AM? <laughs> Dude, whatever works for you. If you, seriously, like God gets me up at all kinds of hours in the morning. If you feel like you'll pray better at 1.14 a.m., go for it. It might be exactly what you need. 1.14, man, that bad boy goes off. Some of you haven't gone to bed yet, I know. Anyway, um, but that bad boy goes off, you roll out of bed. Or you just pray right there in the bed. Pray for us. Pray for you. But how cool would it be that when we're around our brothers and sisters at New Hope, at least at 1.14 p.m., right, our clocks, our, our phones start going off. And we're like, oh, we got to pray, we got to pray, we got to pray. Hey, there's, 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 a, there's an equation in the book of Acts. I call it an equation. Um, there's an equation in the book of Acts. And if you'll go read the book of Acts over the next three weeks, that, that's another assignment. Please read the book of Acts with us. As you read the book of Acts, you will see that there is this equation for God's favor in the book of Acts. I'm going to call it God's favor equation found in the book of Acts. Write this down. W plus P plus HS equals EG. To what you say, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> w plus P plus HS equals EG. You, you, you see it over and over and over again. And now that you'll read the book of Acts with this filter on, you'll see it over and over and over again. The word of God plus prayer plus the Holy Spirit equals exponential growth. Come on, come on, say it out loud with me. Ready, go. Word plus plus equals exponential growth. Oh, let us get grounded in the word of God, grounded in prayer, begging the Holy Spirit to infuse us with his power. And I just came back from sabbatical to let you know, if we do, we haven't seen anything yet. Amen. Hey, Acts 2, 17 through 18. Acts 2, 17 through 18. Last thing I want to say to us today, and then we're going to dismiss you and let you be on your way. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on what church? On all people. Your sons and, do you see how the, the book that tells the history of the very first church is emphatic to let us know that the gospel has shattered all preconceived notions that limited racial groups or gender groups. And the gospel comes along and it flings open all of that and it liberates Every single person, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men, there's a place for young men and visions in the church. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will, what church? Pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Acts 2, 21. Let your, mind, let your eyes just fall on verse 21 of Acts chapter 2 and read this out loud with me. And Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Let me give you the third and final thing, this key from these first two chapters in the book of Acts. Before I do, let me make sure you're tracking with me so far. Dangerous church, dangerous church. The first thing is dangerous church has no what? 
oh, I love you, love you. No geographical limits. Second church, second uh, thing about dangerous church is what it is what? Constantly? Here's the third thing. Dangerous church includes everyone and saves the lost. Everyone and saves the lost. I will tell you, church, that the hardest part of my sabbatical, and by the way, I mean, again, it was great. It was so good. When it got real hard for me was when Charlottesville, Virginia happened. And we saw the tension again in our country over racism. And I came out of sabbatical, you might recall, and I, I wrote the church an email. And if you didn't get that, that means we don't have your information in the database. So please, by all means, put your email address on the Connect card. I'd love for you to get a, a devotional from us each week and when I send out important messages. But I came out of sabbatical and I wrote you an email, and, but it was hard for me. I couldn't stand being away from the beauty of this. Because I wasn't here with you in person, I'm sure... The email just didn't quite communicate my heart. I just want to say before you today on my first Sunday back, let me say unequivocally and clearly that there is no place for racism in the United States of America, let alone the church. There's no place for white supremacy in the United States of America, let alone in the church of Jesus Christ. Get thee behind us, Satan. God has positioned us for such a time as this. That's why he has us here. To lift up the glorious gospel where everyone is invited. And we see God's church actually be a life-saving station that saves and redeems brown man, brown woman, black man, black woman, white man, white woman. Everybody is one in Christ. Now, and, and I don't, so that happened, and then, and then Harvey happened, right? Hurricane Harvey. And I don't know how you put those two together, but I, I try to live my life through the eyes of faith. And so as, as I started to juxtapose Charlottesville, Virginia, and Harvey in Texas, I believe, and don't get me wrong, the hurricane is horrible, and Irma's horrible, and we just pray for Florida right now, right? It's horrible, but... I don't know if you were able to see it like this, but again, I think this was my eyes of faith kicking on in. Charlottesville, Virginia showed us the worst of humanity, the depravity of humanity, the fallenness of humanity, the way our country is still so jacked up with racism. And right after that, a hurricane slams Houston and we see the beauty of humanity. We, we, see, we, see, we see humanity... At its best, we see all ethnic groups working together. We see young people and old people and male and female and Latinos and Asians and whites and blacks all pulling together. And it was beautiful 
I mean, let me, let me show you a few images. They just, they just might flash some up there for you. Well, first of all, that, look at that. That has a way of equaling the, the playing field, if you will. Look at this. That's the spirit of America right there. That's calling humanity to our best. Look at this. Keep going. Just, just go through them. Look at that. Okay, continue on. Ah, oh, look at that. Thank you, God is right. That's what's inside of us. That's the goodness that we have to tap into. Look at that. I love that. Oh, my word. I'm going to show you one in a moment you're going to love. Look at this little baby. Oh, my Lord. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. We are one. We are one regardless of where you come from, regardless of what side of the tracks you grew up on, regardless of the pigment in your skin, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of whatever. Our great God has created humanity. And as soon as we learn to, to continue to resist racism and classism and every single other ism and learn to love one another then we'll be a dangerous church in the world that says to Satan you will not have your way we are going to be the people of God water I've been thinking about water a lot lately with the hurricanes Water, it can be refreshing on a hot day. It can be testimonial and powerful at a baptism. By the way, I hope you get baptized in two Sundays. September 24th, if you've never been baptized or it never meant anything to you, you need to get dunked on September 24th. I will dunk you in the name of Jesus. And depending on, depending on the extent of sin in your life, I will hold you under the water correspondingly. But you're not going to believe this. I've been doing it 28 years. I haven't lost a single person. You, you, <laughs> you'll come up. You'll come up. It can be glorious and testimonial and refreshing. And yet, have you noticed it can also be devastating, destructive, it can kill, right? Water. Think about it with me for a moment. I remember when I was a kid, when it would rain. Maybe you did this when I was a kid, when it would rain in Sumter, South Carolina, in the neighborhood that I grew up in. All the neighborhood boys and I, we would run and we'd grab sticks out of the woods and we'd pull out our pocket knives and we would, we would shape the sticks into a little boat, a little homemade boat. And then we'd get on the side of the road where the water would gather, right? The water would drain off the road and you know it hits the curb and then it runs down through the neighbors. And we would drop our little boats and we'd watch them fly down the little river, if you will, on the side of our streets. And even at a young age, I remember when my boat and the water itself would hit an obstacle on the side of the road, it would build up for a while. But have you noticed this about water? It is resistant. It is powerful. It will not be denied where it's supposed to go. Water. Jesus said this in John 4.10. Maybe you know the verse, but in John 4.10, he said, if you knew the gift of God 
And who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. And then if you just flow a little bit further in John's gospel, chapter 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. Water. Water. Peter, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him, you're right. And on that declaration that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will what, church? Not overcome it. The church is resistant. The church is powerful. The church will not be denied. Satan can raise his ugly head. Natural disasters can come. Cancer can try to steal, kill, and destroy. Racism and bigotry can try to invade the people of God. But the dangerous church that understands there are no geographical limits, the dangerous church that's grounded in prayer, the dangerous church where any and everyone, regardless of whatever, is welcome and is a life-saving station will not be defeated. The gates of hell will not overcome the dangerous church. Let it be so today and always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you receive it, let me hear you, church. Praise his holy name. Pray with me and let's wrap up. Father, thank you for your beautiful people. Thank you for this beautiful church. So honored to be back. So honored to know and love and serve these, your people. Father God, would you equip us? Would you infuse us with that Holy Spirit power that we've been talking about today, Father God? And would we be a dangerous movement, not in the negative sense of the word, Father God, but a dangerous, glorious movement that is grounded in you? Father, thank you for the best is yet to come. Thank you for your people who have gathered here today at all of our campuses. Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to come into a life-giving relationship with you, if there's anyone here today, maybe you're here and you just, you feel lost. You feel like you have no purpose. You feel like you're drowning. And you desire a relationship with the God of the universe. You desire to have your sins washed clean. You desire to know God and follow God and you desire to be counted amongst a movement, a church that's going into the world for good. That's you today. You want to receive Christ right now. 
I want to invite you to just pray a simple prayer in your heart today. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I receive you. Come into my life. I have fallen short of your glory. I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. Thank you for receiving everyone, anyone, including me. So I give you my heart. I give you my life today. Have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.